Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. Welcome to Soul to Soul right here on 101.9. Hi FM, I'm your host, Rabbi Ari Kiedman. While it's wonderful to be with you here this afternoon, we mourn for the mass terror attack that took place this past Shabbos on Simchas Torah, the happiest day of the year, carried out by barbaric evil forces who tried to dampen our joy, our celebration of this holiday. And we're seeking nothing but to torture, to kill, to maim Jewish men, women, and children, and to sow terror among Jews everywhere. And the number, just hearing the headlines here on Chai FM, more than 1,300. I mean, that's a number that is staggering. And who knows if that's even a, a final number yet of Jews who were confirmed to have been brutally murdered. And this is the largest number of Jews murdered in a single day since the Holocaust. And this started with a barrage of thousands of rockets into Israel, raining down on cities as far north as Tel Aviv. Terrorists then entered Israel and began the pillage. They're going from house to house, seeking out civilians, torturing, beheading, murdering families, innocent men, women, and children. No one was speared. Even the elderly and frail were tortured, executed, taken hostage back to the terrorist-controlled Gaza. And we... We, we, we hear, we listen to the news on Yamtav as the news was coming through. We found out about the attack in piecemeal because we were off the grid. We were observing the holiday. It was Shabbos. It was Shemini Atzeret. We went into Samas Torah. Here we were in this joyous day that was turned into probably one of the saddest days in our time. And the utter shock that we were constantly being informed the little pieces. And when Yamta was out, when we plugged back into the grid and saw the extent of the horrors, their intent was to murder, to kill Jews. The shock, the hurt, the grief we feel as a community, knowing that across the ocean, our brothers and sisters are being brutally murdered because of nothing more than their being Jewish. It's just horrific. It's heartbreaking. Everyone in our community knows someone who knows one of the victims. I personally have siblings and nephews and nieces and family that live in Israel. First cousins, uncles and aunts. It's an attack that strikes to the very heart of the Jewish people. No one in the country is unharmed. Every single one of us. And as Jews across the world, we stand with Israel. We stand in solidarity with those in Israel and are coming together in a show of unity. And here we have to do everything we can to stand against this savage barbarism. This attack transcends religious and cultural differences. It's a clear fight between the forces of hatred and evil and those of good and light. The eradication of this evil is what necessitates, is what's important, is what's needed that society needs to come together. To now our government, the people of this country, the good people here, Jews and non-Jews alike, we need to stand together. In the last few days, I've been doing prayer vigils and programs and events at various senior retirement facilities as part of the work of Chabad Seniors programs. And despite the blow and the pain, we know that we will be victorious against this evil because we are on the side of good. In the Torah portion this week, we read the verse, Yehi or we should be light. Israel has always been a source of light. It is the mandate of the Jewish people to be or lagoyim, to be a light into the world. But we know that at this stage, we have to restore the light. We know the verse tells us about the land of Israel, the very beginning, the first Rashi of the Torah this week, 
reminds us that the nations of the world constantly condemn what are the United Nations about. Unfortunately, the only thing they seem to really be united about is the condemnations, the resolutions against Israel. But still we know the Torah says, The eyes of Hashem are upon the land of Israel from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. We just experienced the beginning and please God, there will be an end to all this barbarism. As we say in Tehillim clearly, Behold the guardian of Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. No doubt, while it appears to us that our intelligence, that our government, that our military may have been sleeping or may have been sabotaged. We don't know. But we are firm in our belief. We know for sure that Almighty God doesn't sleep. And it's crucial that we trust in God. We understand that God will ensure that we prevail. It's critical that we put ourselves, our family, and all those around us in a more optimistic and positive mindset as difficult as it might be at this stage. The people of Israel need our prayers now. With the hundreds that are wounded, more than, who knows, the actual number in captivity. And the endless barrage of rockets that's still being fired from on all sides. We come together in prayer. We give support and solidarity to those who are under attack. And ultimately, by illuminating our own corner of the world, by being that aura, that light, we can actually impact events on the other side of the world. Through going out of our way to sheer acts of kindness to be kinder, to respect our fellow human beings, our fellow Jews in a more pleasant way, then in the face of this horror, this malice, this evil, we will overcome it all. During past conflicts in Israel, when things seem bleak, during times of danger for the Jewish people, the Rebbe always made practical suggestions of mitzvahs to elicit God's protection. That's what we need to do now is increase in our mitzvahs. Of course, if you could go to Israel and help out in any way, shape or form, go ahead, go do so. But now our community needs us to come together in unity, put aside our differences. It's time to pray. It's time to do extra, perform extra mitzvahs. Men should be putting on tefillin. Tomorrow women should be lighting the Shabbos candles. Put a mezuzah on your door if you don't have one. Give extra charity here at Chabad. We have an enormous amount of equipment and material that were requested by victims of terror, by volunteer soldiers, by reservists who need our help and assistance. You could drop off things at Chabad House in Savoy and help us to help those in Israel. El Al is graciously sponsoring the delivery of all these items. You could bring them to Chabad House. Importantly, to join in Torah study. Every day we have Shurim here as part of our Chabad Seniors program. Dozens of seniors come every day, are here to learn. It's food for the mind, food for the body, food for the soul. Because we we serve a delicious lunch every day. We'll have plenty of good food to keep you strong and get you through these difficult times. Everything we need to do in order to overcome the evil, the hate, the animosity. Do what you can. Get together with friends. Celebrate Shabbos this week. My friends, we're at war. And we pray that God should avenge the blood of the murdered. God should ensure that the hostages are immediately redeemed and all those who were injured and wounded should have a complete and a speedy recovery. We pray our soldiers succeed in their heroic and holy work and that they all come home safely. We pray for the safety, the security, the well-being of all our brothers and sisters in the Holy Land and beyond during this horrible war and forever. Our barb 
barbaric enemies here that we experienced this week that we encountered while the world constantly condemns our protection, our protecting and defending ourselves. They perpetrated the despicable act specifically on a holy day. As we've seen 50 years ago in the Yom Kippur War, which is the exact anniversary of when this attack took place as well, not on the Hebrew calendar, obviously, but on the Gregorian one. They tried to desecrate our holy day. They tried to dampen the joys of our holiday of Simchas Torah, of Shemini Atzeret. On that day, every shul in Israel read the very beginning of the Torah, just like we are going to read this Shabbos, which starts the Genesis, Bereshis, the story of creation. And there in the very first verse, as I said a moment ago, Rashi, foremost commentator of the Torah, Shlomo Yitzchaki, great 11th century classic commentator of the Torah, he asks why the Torah, which is a book of instruction, why does it begin with the story of creation? It's not a history book. And then he explains that the day would come that people would accuse the Jewish nation for stealing the Holy Land from others. I guess a thousand years ago in France, maybe things weren't much different. And therefore Rashi says, that's why the Torah sets down the premise that it is Almighty God, the Creator, the Master of the world who created heaven and earth. And it is God alone who chose to gift the Holy Land to the Jewish nation. And all claims to the contrary have no basis in reality. It is clear to all that this is a war against evil. And although we may be physically distant from the battles raging in Israel, we are all called upon to participate in the spiritual battle against evil by each and every one of us in whatever way we can, increasing an act of goodness and kindness and changing the world in a more positive direction. Yes, we stand in solidarity with Israel. Yes, we will be at the parade at the solidarity event on Sunday. Yes, we come to the shuls now and daven. We pray, we study Torah, we do everything we can. We give our presence, our words, we bring whatever we can. But we also have to stand in solidarity in our actions. It's specifically through intentionally finding ways to do more mitzvahs, more acts of charity. Have a little charity box in your home, in your office, in your car, wherever you are. Give extra. Be in the mode, in the mentality of one who gives. Because every act of kindness is a powerful light. And we need more light. The instruction of the Torah portion, or there should be more light. It's through light that we banish the darkness and the evil in the world. And we will certainly banish this despicable darkness that we all abhor, that we saw firsthand witness, testimony, documentation, the videos, the pictures of what happened this week. My friends, let us do everything we can. Let us say our prayers. Let's reaffirm our faith in God. Let's remind ourselves that we're in God's hands. And while there were others who tried time and time again to annihilate, to eliminate the Jewish people, we don't just survive. We thrive. Am Yisrael Chai. That is the motto of our people. We will be here. We will endure forever. That is our purpose to be a light into the world. This Shabbos, we need to do everything we can to bring that light in a very physical, tangible way. Ladies, Shabbos candles is a timeless symbol of Jewish hope and goodness. It gives us a chance to add literal light to the world to inspire others. This week, tomorrow, 
even if you don't do it every week on time. Candlelighting is 5.55 p.m. Do everything you can. Put it on your social media status today. Encourage as many people as possible to light your Shabbos candles to take part in this act of spiritual unitating and solidarity with Israel, with our soldiers, with those who were taken captive. The world got so much darkness this week and we need everyone to light up the world. We need to add more light in this world. Let us join together. Let us do what we can to bring that light because the world needs a lot more light at this moment in time. It is important that every single one of us bring more light in the world. Gentlemen, arm up and put on tefillin. Ladies, light your Shabbos candles. Do any mitzvah possible that we can to bring more light into the world. We'll be back in a moment. I want to talk about the significance, the importance that Israel holds for us. How Israel is important. It is the, it is the Jewish homeland. I want to talk about that when we're back. We'll be right back. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. Welcome back to Soul to Soul right here on 101.9 Chai FM. I'm your host, Rabbi Ari Kievman. And we've been talking today about our response to the recent terror attack that took place this past week in Israel. And as so far, see more than 1,300 innocent Jewish people brutally murdered, massacred in cold blood by the savages of Hamas. And we've been talking about what we can do to make a difference. What are we able to do that will change, that will bring more light into the world? And we've been talking about the mitzvah campaigns that we at Chabad House can be part of in bringing more light to the world. And the idea is to combat the hatred and violence with acts of goodness and kindness. And this is what's most important, that we have to stand united with our brothers and sisters in Israel during this very difficult and harrowing time. And we have to remember that by illuminating our own corner of the world with acts of goodness and kindness, that we can impact events on the other side of the world. We remember what the Rebbe said in past conflicts and during times of danger for the Jewish people. The most important thing to do is mitzvahs and good deeds to elicit God's protection. And the various recommendations that we're going to talk about of coming together in unity for prayer, which we've been doing this this week, and there's more to come, of men putting on tefillin, of women lighting Shabbos candles, of putting mezuzahs on our doors, of giving charity, of doing acts of goodness, of kindness, of studying Torah. And therefore, we call on the community, on everyone, to dedicate positive deeds in memory of those who perished this past week, to increase in our acts of goodness and kindness in the merit of the recovery of those who were injured, for the safe return of the hostages, for the success of the IDF and the mission of protecting the land of Israel and eradicating the evil in our midst because that doesn't only protect the land of Israel, but also us here in diaspora as well. We have to do everything we can. We're helping out, of course, with emergency relief and we have here at Chabad House have opportunity for you to come and help with our humanitarian efforts and bringing whatever necessities we can to send to Israel. It's important that we do everything we can. Just as the hate and destruction was so immense, we have to overcompensate disproportionately. The magnitude of the response to do positive deeds has to be massive. It's important that we do everything we can. And the question that people have been asking, and I said I would be addressing today, is we have to understand why is it that Israel is important to the Jewish people. We know that 50 years ago, there was the Yom Kippur War. And that during that war, we were also caught by surprise. And of course, our victory ultimately 
is what certainly inspired many Jews to reinvigorate the relationship with Israel and with their Judaism. And what we want to do today is just to understand what is it that led to the war back then, not long, you know, 50 years ago, the Yom Kippur War, and to see why many people, unfortunately, we've lost some Jews who have denied their alliance, their allegiance to Israel. We have to understand what is the importance of Israel to every single Jew, how it is our homeland, it is our home base, and why we need to protect it, why we can't just live outside. No doubt the Prime Minister of Israel himself spoke this week and said very clearly that unlike in the Holocaust, the last time we lost so many Jews in one day as we did this week, we had no Israel Defense Force. We had no place to call home, but now we do. But of course, people wonder, what place does the land of Israel really hold in our consciousness and our in in Jewish life? Why is it so important? Why are so many Jews so so provoked by this? Why do we really need a homeland? Why can't we find a safer place to be? And my friends, let us just understand that throughout history, Israel has been our homeland, even in the times that we were sadly sadly evicted from our homeland. It still was our homeland. Even after the destruction of the first temple, when Jews were taken into captivity by the Babylonians. And you read about when they were crying on the rivers of Babylon and the Shuvet Zion, the people, the captives of Zion. And for example, in the book of Daniel, it describes how when Daniel prayed, in which direction did he pray? He prayed towards Jerusalem because Jews, wherever we are in the world, that is the direction that we pray. We always pray to Almighty God, but in the direction of Jerusalem, the home, the the home, the manifestation, the place that it was a physical presence in this world of the divine presence. And that's why it was Jerusalem that always was the place to which we prayed. Of course, to this day, Jews pray three times a day. That's what we've done for thousands of years. It's the Jewish way of life since our patriarchs formulated the prayers. Here in South Africa, we pray north. Yet Jews in America, where I come from, or Europe, facing east as they pray. If you go to Russia, where my father grew up, they faced south because that was the direction. And of course, if you're in the east, if you're in China or Australia, you're facing west. But we're all facing the same place. Yerushalayim, the land of Israel, Jerusalem, that's our home. Whether it was 2,400 years ago in the time of Daniel's captivity, in the time of the first temple's destruction, or so many years later, today, this is what Jews do. We pray, we keep our ancestral homeland uppermost in our minds, that's the direction. Yes, I know, of course, God is everywhere. The song we learned as kids, God, God is here. God is there. God is truly everywhere. You can reach out to God wherever you are. God will hear you, whether you're in your car, whether you're in your kitchen, whether you're in your office, wherever you might be, whatever direction you're facing. But nevertheless, we face towards Yerushalayim as we pray in order to acknowledge that that is the place in this physical world that serves as the epicenter of our relationship with God. And it's true that Jews pray towards Jerusalem. Whereas others pray with their backs to Jerusalem while they're facing Mecca. Our remembrance of Israel and Jerusalem is not just confined to our physical orientation when we pray. But if you think about the content 
of our prayers, how many of our prayers every day describe our return to Jerusalem, our yearning, our striving to return to our ancestral homeland. And it was in our times. My father was a child growing up before the Holocaust in Russia. And yet he was on the exodus ship of those who finally made it to see Israel return to Jewish hands, to Jewish dominion, to Jewish governance. That was a far-fetched dream not too long ago. And thank God it's our home. But it has many challenges, of course. Think about the words of our prayers every day. How many times a day within our Amida? It's not just facing Jerusalem and praying for our return to the land of Israel three times a day. But so many times in our prayers, we mention Jerusalem in the Amida. That our eyes should be restored to see Jerusalem. We say to Hashem to call the great shofar to have the return of the exiles from the four corners of the earth. And we say, blessed are you, Hashem, who, who gathers the dispersed people of Israel. Not only that, when we eat, you eat some food. We recite the bracha afterwards. We, we bench. We thank God. We express gratitude. Our benching is filled with mentions of Jerusalem, of Israel. And before benching, during the week, we recite Al-Narat Babel. We recall the songs of those who were taken captive of Israel. We say it. We recite it. We say the famous word, If I forget the Jerusalem, may my right hand forget its might. How much Jerusalem plays an, a, a central role on Shabbos when we don't say the same words because Shabbos is on a different level. We sing Shir HaMalot. B'Shuv Hashem at right? When God returns, the returnees of Zion. And then within benching itself, how many mentions between to thank, to acknowledge God for the land that God's given us. To Rachem, we're asking God to have compassion upon the people of Israel and the city of Jerusalem. We say to God to rebuild the city of Jerusalem. Every time we break bread, we're recalling the land of Israel, the divine promise that will be restored to us. And for so much of our history, the people of Israel were not the sovereign power in the land of Israel. For 1800 years since the catastrophic events of the first and second centuries, when our temple was destroyed, when Jews were exiled and dispersed from the land, the great majority of Jews were born, lived their lives, and died without ever setting foot into their ancestral homeland. Yet, the land of Israel never once ceased to be foremost in the Jewish consciousness. The walls of shuls and Jewish homes throughout the diaspora were always decorated with images of scenes from the Holy Land. The Western Wall, the Kotel Maravi, the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, the Ma'arat HaMachpelah in Hebron, the Cave of the Patriarchs and Matriarchs, Cave of Rachel, the Tomb of Rachel in Bethlehem. So many scenes from throughout Israel. That's what the homes of Jews were always decorated with, surrounded with. There's hardly an event or milestone in the life of a Jew in which Jerusalem, the Jewish homeland, is not evoked. Think about it. Under the wedding canopy, what do we do? Just before we dance and sing and celebrate the great celebration, the ceremony of a husband and wife getting together, husband breaks a glass. Why? To remember the destruction of Jerusalem, to remember the sadness that still exists in the world, that the world is not complete yet. And... On the other extreme, any traditional 
house of mourning. What are we the words of comfort, of solace that we bring to somebody who lost their loved one? We comfort them. We say that God should console them amongst the mourners of Zion and Jerusalem. What does Zion and Jerusalem have to do with somebody who lost their beloved departed? And we remind them that just as after all these years, we've never forgotten our homeland. We say, may their loved one never be forgotten from them either. And just as all Jews mourn for Zion and Jerusalem, not just Israelis, Yes, Israelis might feel the horror most acutely. They're the ones living there, burying the dead, bearing the brunt of it, dealing with the trauma of this catastrophe. But us in diaspora, we feel it as well. And we say to somebody who's lost their loved one that although they feel the pain most acutely, but every Jew feels a part of us was ripped away. And just as we know it was only the bricks and mortar, the stones of Jerusalem that was destroyed in the time of the temple's destruction, but yet the spirit of Israel forever lived on in every single Jew at the end of our Pesach Seders just a few weeks ago at the conclusion of Yom Kippur. What do we say after the awe-inspiring shofar blast? We all shouted in unison, L'shana haba Yerushalayim. Next year in Jerusalem, it was never forgotten from our consciousness. Whatever might be going on in our lives, from the everyday to the most joyous occasions to the saddest, our experience as Jews is inseparable from our relationship with the land of Israel, with Jerusalem. And that's why when we're comforting a mourner, we remind them that Jerusalem was never forgotten and their loved one won't be forgotten. That every Jew mourns for Jerusalem and we mourn with them. We remember with them that it was only the bricks and mortar, the sticks and stones of Jerusalem that were destroyed but the Spirit lived on in each and every one of us. And the Spirit of their beloved departed too will forever live on. The soul is eternal. And likewise, we pray for the restoration of Jerusalem to its full magnificence and glory. And likewise, at that time, we'll experience the resurrection of the dead when all our beloved departed will be back. And so, in every generation... There were those who translated their yearning into action. They made aliyah to the land of Israel. During the last 2,000 years, there were periods when the conditions in the land were extremely precarious for the Jewish population. When Mark Twain visited Israel, he famously said, coined the phrase, a land without a people for a people without a land. There were many challenges and struggles and problems. It wasn't developed as it is today. There was malaria infestation. There were problems. It was not easy to settle in the land. And yet still Jews came. They fulfilled their lifelong dream to live out their lives on its sacred soil of Israel. And those who couldn't realize their dream themselves contributed in whatever way they were able to to support those living in Israel, just like we who are unable to go there now in person are supporting our brothers and sisters in Israel, the victims and the volunteers and everyone involved in every way, in every way that we can. The people who used to collect money for the Yeshuvah Haaretz, for the settlement of the land. Even the most impoverished people would set aside a few coins to support the Jews who were living in the homeland. In fact, I remember we had a speaker here a couple of years back, 21 years ago, Rabbi Yossi Chazam was visiting from Manchester, and he mentioned that he was once visiting Russia. I don't remember if this was before the fall of communism or just after. And one old Jew asked him if he's ever going to Israel. Rabbi Chazam said, yes, of course, not immediately, but I plan on going sometime soon. The man said, wait a minute, I want to give you something to bring, to take with you there. A few minutes later, the man returns with an envelope and his own hand 
bandaged with blood shooting forth. The rabbi asks him, what is this? He says, I know I won't make it there ever, but at least I want my finger to be buried there. Jews did whatever they can to support the land of Israel, to live in the land of Israel. And this week we're seeing so many who are trying to do what they can. If not in our lifetimes, like Maimonides, who couldn't live in Israel himself, he chose to be buried there, just like this elderly Jew. We know famously Rabbi Yehuda Halevi quoted the words, Libi marav. He said, my heart is in the east. We always felt the importance of Jerusalem. And we know that Israel always plays an important role in the consciousness of a Jew and a Jewish life. But let's take a few more moments to understand why is Israel important to us and why it's so important that we have our homeland, that we defend and protect it and do everything we can to be there for Israel during its time of need. We'll be right back. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. Welcome back to Soul to Soul right here on 101.9. Kai Eppel, I'm your host, Rabbi Ari Kievan, and it's great to be with you here this afternoon. We're talking about the importance of why we stand up and support and solidarity of Israel during this difficult, challenging time that we faced this past week of the heinous, barbaric savagery that we've seen, the murder of 1,300 more Jews. And so, my friends, we want to understand the importance of why Israel plays this important role to us. We discussed in our last segment about how it was always part of the Jewish consciousness. Throughout our history, it was always there in the right front center, despite the millennia of Gullus, of, the, of, of being exiled from the land. The land has always remained foremost in the Jewish consciousness. And the object of our yearning that we wanted to return there, Israel's recalled at every event, every milestone in the Jewish way of life. And we also talked about over the centuries how Jews have yearned to return to Israel, the Aliyah, any other country that is known for Aliyah, where you ascend to go back up to the land. Many people who couldn't make Aliyah have chosen to be buried in Israeli soil or even to just send a finger to be buried there. Let's talk a little bit about some of the history when my father was a child growing up in Russia, and finally, after the war, they were able to live that dream of going to Israel. And we know that was a time my mother was born during the British mandate of Israel. She was born in Petah Tikva. <coughs> and that was a time where there was severely restricted Jewish immigration to the Holy Land. Remember the white paper where they forbade more than 75,000 Jews to settle the land over a five-year period. And it was during that period when the Jews of Europe were most desperately seeking that safe haven from the Nazi genocide. And they found the gates of their own ancestral homeland close to them. There was no place we could call home. Famously, when there was a particular ship that came to Cuba, they said, manana, manana, tomorrow, tomorrow, but tomorrow wasn't to be all the people on that ship were brutally murdered by the Nazis. And the same was the case for so many others, even America, even South Africa, were not accepting many Jewish refugees who needed so desperately a place to settle to protect themselves from the atrocities of the Nazis. And even after the war, after six million of our people were murdered in cold blood, the same was the case with the survivors of the Holocaust. They wanted to rebuild their, their lives in Israel. What happened when my father was on that exodus ship that came to Israel? They weren't allowed to settle there. So many people on that ship were killed that day by the British. And the ship was sent back to the hellhole of Europe where these people came from. 
Back in Europe, irony was they told us go back to Israel. And today they tell us go back to Europe. Unbelievable. But now, as the prime minister reminded us a few times this week, now we have a home. Now we have a defense force. And now is our, since the establishment of our state in 1948, since our should call it the reestablishment, since we're back home, now we have to do everything we can to protect it and to defend it. And if you look at the state of Israel's first constitutional act was the proclamation that all legislation that would come from the British government's white paper would be null and void. That every single Jew would know that they have a home that they could go back to. And now that an independent Jewish government was finally reestablished for the first time since the destruction of the temple in the year 70 of the Common Era, you're talking about 1900 some years. Hundreds of thousands of Jews finally arrived from every corner of the world to settle in our homeland. And many Holocaust survivors are people who were escaping from communist Russia, who lived under not easy conditions, but they all settling in the land. And then 50 years ago, on Yom Kippur, just like the terrible attack that happened this week, there was a surprise attack in which Israel was attacked. I mean, think about it. Well, not just then. I mean, go back in history. Immediately after the establishment of the state of Israel, they were attacked numerous times, trying to uproot the Jewish presence from their midst. And of course, each time Israel emerged victorious, no matter how many times the neighbors tried to attack us. And there were various armistice agreements that were signed between Israel and neighbors, but they never accepted the reality of the Jewish state until this day. As Golda Meir said, if the Arabs were put to put down their weapons, we could live in peace with each other. If Israel were to put down our weapons, which are for defense purposes, there would probably be no Israel, as we saw this week. And through the various wars, Sinai Wars, the Suez Canal, and all the, the different reasons and, and situations, and the Fedayim terrorists throughout, and then there was 67, when we conquered lands to have safe borders for Israel. And then 1973, Yom Kippur, we were surprise attacked. And since then, Israel has made advancements. 50 years have passed since the Yom Kippur War, and a lot has changed, or perhaps we could say deja vu. The more things change, the more they stay the same. But let's first focus for a moment on the things that have changed. The population of Israel has grown immensely since then. Today, there's over 9 million Jews living in Israel, of which 7.2 million, 9 million, sorry, citizens in Israel, 7.2 of which are Jewish. That's more than the USA. When I was a kid in the US, the US had the greatest population of Jews. Today, there are just under 7 million Jews in America and just over 7 million Jews in Israel. Today, unlike then, we have the strength and sophistication of our army that has improved, obviously not superb enough, as the media likes to make out, which is what Hamas tried to achieve this week, of humiliating us in that way. Our economy has developed. Israel is a world leader in technology, medicine, in, in, in so many different areas and spheres of the economy. Yet, we took a plunge this week, all the different things Hamas has tried to achieve. Israel's made multiple attempts at peace with, with Arab neighbors, and varying degrees of, of success, of course which after the Yom Kippur War, first country when Egypt signed a peace treaty with Israel, 
and then later Jordan in the 1990s. And then they tried the Oslo Accords, which I read somewhere that this week was not knowing history that well enough myself, but I read somewhere that this week was the, fifth, was the 30th anniversary of the Oslo Accords. And then we have recently the Abraham Accords, in which countries like the United Arab Emirates, and then followed by Bahrain and Morocco, and then Sudan tried, but they reversed it. Don't think these treaties mean that we have actually peace with these countries because the overall population of those countries still despise and hate us. But those are some of the things that come to mind that may have changed. Yet, many of those things are unchanged. The animosity, the hate towards Israel. We are surrounded by many more people, uh, by many more you know, as much as they try to make a sound as if we have the superpower of Israel, there's still enemies who are still trying to annihilate us. Israel's existence this week saw what could have been a existential threat of our entire future. And with Iran constantly threatening with their nuclear power, the, the terrorist attacks this week alone all the rockets coming from Hamas on one side, Hezbollah on the other side. And who knows what surprise might come from Syria. Even outside Israel, we're not safe. Jews were murdered in Egypt this week. And most of the population in these places, let's be honest, the overwhelming majority is anti-Israel. In their press, in their media, the academic institutions, anti-Israel incitement this week not only there, but right here in South Africa, over and over, we've seen the hate mongering against us. And so our existence is certainly endangered. In the time of the Kippur War, the world stood by silently. They had the OPEC. People were afraid about the cost of oil rising. They no one stood shoulder to shoulder with Israel. And now this week, the international community still, as much as we had a little bit of some token Friendship and endorsement. There's still so much bias in the media. If you have been listening to any other stations but Chai FM, you'll hear blatant lies and animosity. The world media has this bias against us. There's BDS and other movements here that have become politically correct, that are being supported. Anytime Israel acts in a self-defense, even in the most constrained way, it's immediately accused of being the aggressor, disproportionate response, human rights violations. What would these people do if their home was invaded and savagely desecrated as we experienced this week? But yet, we have to stand strong. We have to stand tall. We have to do everything we can in order to stand firm and tall. And so despite things, regardless of whether Israel is in a better or worse place as it was 50 years ago in the time of the Yom Kippur War. One thing for sure, Israel's very right to exist as a Jewish state. This week, no matter how barbaric these events that occurred, that happened, are still being called into question by so many. And a lot of the international community remains comfortably ensconced on the sidelines. So many just remaining silent, unwilling to dip a finger in the cold water to call out the barbaric terrorist acts that we've seen this week. And so, my friends, we have to stand firm and tall. We have to remember it is Am Yisrael Chai. It is our responsibility to do everything we can to do 
in order to make sure that we as a Jewish people don't just survive, but that we will thrive. We have to give our support to the land of Israel. And there's many ways that we could do so. We spoke about physically, but there's also spiritually. And so even though we might be at a great distance, but everything we can do is to help add light in this dark time. Everything we can, as our Torah tells us, and as the Rebbe reminded us, that we have to do, as it says in the Torah, if you walk in my statutes and you keep my mitzvahs, we have to increase in doing mitzvahs because the Torah says, then, I'll give peace in the land and nobody will make you afraid and your enemies will fall before you. We have to remember, this is the message that God tells us in the Torah. This is the time that we have to do everything we can. The Rebbe evoked the analogy of a person who's making a voyage in a ship and they cannot claim that since he has a private cabin, he can't do whatever he wants to and make holes in it for the safety of the whole ship and everybody who's aboard, who's aboard the ship, they have to remember that we're all in it together. And the same thing is true. We are all in it together, even if we're at a distance. That the way we conduct ourselves now, everything we do will help, will benefit the Jews in Israel. So let me conclude with a few practical suggestions as the Rebbe laid out a mitzvah campaign in the time of the of the 1967 Six Day War, and then again and reinforced it after the Yom Kippur, during the time leading up to, and certainly during and after the Yom Kippur War. So a few points to highlight. Easy to do today to pull out your phone and study some Torah. Every Jew should have a designated time every single day for Torah study. We need to do whatever we're able, according to our capacity, according to our schedule, according to our time available, in which we could be completely absorbed in the study of Torah. And as the Torah, as the Talmud says, the Torah shields and saves. Let's do what we can. Dedicate more time to Torah study. At Chabad House, we have Shiorim daily, both in person and virtually. And you're most welcome to come join us for any one of them. Of course, every man or boy over 13 should be putting on tefillin every single weekday. Our rabbis explain where it says, that the nations of the world will see the name of God is upon you and they will fear you. This refers to the mitzvah of the tefillin. And so when we wear tefillin, that instills an awe, fear into the hostile nations that have attacked us. And this will bring protection and protect us from the harm that has come our way. Don't forget, every Jewish home should make sure to have a mezuzah on your doorpost. By the way, about tefillin, the Ichikovitz family tefillin campaign, the tefillin bank, is offering free tefillin for anybody who can't afford. This week, you can get yourself a free pair of tefillin. And if you don't have a mezuzah, reach out and see how we can get a mezuzah or get your mezuzah inspected by a scribe to make sure that it is kosher. We look at a mezuzah, and it says on the outside of the mezuzah, it has the three letters, Shin Dalad Yud, which is one of the divine names of Hashem. But it also is an acronym for the word Shomer Daltot Yisrael, which means the guardian of the doorways of Israel. And according to the Zohar, the fact that Hashem will guard your going and coming now and forever, as it says in Tehillim, this refers to the mezuzah, which means that the mezuzah guards our home, both at home, and even outside of our home, as it says, Hashem the God will protect your comings and your goings, regardless when you're at home or not at home, your mezuzah will bring you protection. Another important mitzvah is to give tzedakah. We have to give in whatever way we can. 
to have charity boxes in our homes, in our offices, in our bedrooms, in our in our car, wherever it is. We should be in a habit of giving charity. And by doing so, by being in a habit of giving charity, here at Chabad House, we give out our arts, which stands for acts of routine kindness. We want to be in a constant routine behavior, a habit of giving tzedakah, particularly this week. We want to give tzedakah, which is a reminder of the great protection that it brings for all those in tzedakah tatzil mababa. So the verse says that tzedakah protects us from death. So there's a good time. You can bring two Chabad house, whatever things you want to send to Israel. There's an El flight that will take it, and you can help us support those in Israel who need our help. Torah books. Every Jewish home should have sacred books, at least a Chumash, a Tehillim, and a Siddur. And this also increases the protection of the home and the people in it. The books of Torah remind us of what's written in the Torah and the mitzvahs that we have to fulfill. As the verse says, Our life and the length of our days is the Torah. This week we celebrated Simchas Torah. We need to celebrate and study and do what the Torah tells us. Ladies and gents, looks like my time today has come to a conclusion. I want to wish you all peace and harmony and health and blessings. And please, God, we will merit to see protection and peace for all those. And remember to aspire to inspire before you retire so you do not expire. Carpe diem sees every single moment. Wishing you a great Shabbos, as they say. The way you establish and set yourself up on this Shabbos, so will the rest of the year go. Wishing you much success. All the best.